0: words appear. The email addresses and groups mentioned on this program no longer exist. Blind
1: Like Me does exist in its new incarnation on groups.io. To join, send a blank email to blindlikeme plus subscribe at groups.io that's blind like me plus subscribe at groups.io
2: like me i'm phil bars you probably already know and i guess today is bob levi from arvada colorado howdy sir how are you very well thank you well it's good to have you with us uh, this afternoon what's the weather like up there
1: well today it's about uh, 87 degrees and sunshine typical colorado blue sky and no humidity
2: eighty seven degrees and no humidity
1: well humidity would be very very low something something in the ten to twelve percent
2: that's pretty low compared to here it's probably ninety percent in texas which is where we are we uh, we came to a little town called Salida, Colorado, and considered thought about moving up there. It's, uh, yes, that's anyways. south. That's south and east of us. South and east. Well, there was a lot of snow, but when we came, of course, brought a bunch of kids, and and they went skiing, and I just sat around and drank uh, whatever that thing is, uh, hot buttered rum. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, sir, it's good to have you. Whether if you don't mind me asking, your age?
1: I- I'm 81.
2: Eighty-one, yeah.
1: I uh, I've only lived in Colorado six years.
2: Oh, really? Um, I'm
1: I'm originally a Michiganian.
2: Michi- Michiganian or Michigander, which one do well, they? Well,
1: I say Michiganian.
2: Michigane. Most people say
1: Michigander.
2: I heard it said. I heard it said both ways. Well, let's get back to early times of your life. What year were you born? Nineteen uh, twenty-three. Twenty-three before the depression. Uh, who was president then? I can't remember. Well, in
1: 1923, let's see, who was prior to Hoover?
2: Who was? Uh, Calvin Coolidge? No?
1: I think it was Calvin Coolidge,
2: yeah. I believe it was. So you were born in 1923. Where were you born, sir? In Bay City, Michigan. Bay City, Michigan.
1: Which is about uh, 120 miles north of Detroit,
2: uh-huh.
1: right, right at the little crotch of the thumb where if you... If you picture Michigan as a as a mitten, why uh, it's right down where where the thumb turns up, you know. Uh,
2: yeah, huh? Yeah. And so, uh, were you born blind? Or were you born with? with uh...
1: I I've I've been I had an RP and I have been legally blind all my life. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I uh, I had two sisters and a brother. was well, the same thing. Oh, really? Uh, and the odd thing is that it was every other... I came from eight children I had, uh, in the family, and it was every other child right down the line. Every other child? Every other child. And the in-between ones had very good hmm. sight. You know, they had excellent sight.
2: Do physicians have any explanation for that? That's uh, strange.
1: Uh, if you talk to the people at the Foundation Fighting Blindness, uh, uh, why they uh, <laughs> they say it's one of those strange things uh, yeah. uh, with RP. It just it has no pattern and. Uh, I mean, I have a friend that came from nine uh, nine children in the family. He was the only one with it. So,
2: uh-huh.
1: so there you are.
2: So uh, your parents? What about their vision?
1: They their vision was
2: fine. They, they both both could see so-called perfectly. Oh yeah. And so they had four children, four blind children, and four that weren't. That's right. Man, that is just strange. I never heard of that. Uh,
1: well, that's that's. Uh, uh, very odd thing, and uh, I, uh, I know I have I have talked to the RP Foundation and uh, they've taken blood tests and so forth and it's one of those things they just constantly study and they' yeah. they're still researching it.
2: And maybe someday they'll come up with an answer. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? I hope so. Now, was this a basically a rural-type of um, uh, environment when you were born?
0: When you were well,
1: uh, actually, Bay City was uh, a fairly decent-sized city. It was a city of about 50,000 people. Um, and uh, it uh, was pretty much a manufacturing city. Uh-huh. Um, my father was a... a he was a, an accountant with a printing company, and uh, and uh, we lived uh, we lived there until uh, well, I was born in twenty three. We lived there until thirty seven, mm-hmm. and then we moved to the eastern side of Michigan. Right?
2: Okay, but let's get back before that. Now, sure. you, you had some sight. You had as a child, you oh, could yes. see well enough to get around and well, well enough I had, to.
1: I had. Qu- very good peripheral vision I had no central vision-huh and so consequently I couldn't read I couldn't read a print book and
2: but uh, you had no trouble seeing where the ball went no. <laughs> no, not really. Well, that's good. That's, no. that's, yeah. So, so you ran and played just like the other kids, I guess. It's, Absolutely. Just, just yeah. no problem. No, really, no worry. Too much worry about being I blind back then. I had a little
1: trouble playing baseball, but I played softball because the softball was bigger and and but I had a little trouble playing baseball.
2: But than, other than that.
1: Other than that, why, I I would say that uh, I had a fairly normal uh, childhood. I went to public school.
2: That's what I was uh, going to ask. They sent you when it was time for you to go to school. They just sent you to school, right?
1: Yeah, and and they uh, and uh, they just well. I I always say we we were mainstream before. Before the, the term mainstream was even used.
2: Yeah, there wasn't any mainstream in there. They just sent you to public school. Just put yeah. Bob in school. Yeah.
1: And and the kids, the teachers would send me out in the hallway with another student, and the other student would read my lessons to me, and and uh, I got along. I could I could write. You know, I wrote rather large,
2: uh-huh.
1: so I could see it. But uh, other than that, I did fine. Until well, until my uh, uh, teenage years.
2: Well, but you had other brothers and sisters who were having the same problem, uh, right? Yeah, okay. So, so Bay City, Michigan, and then the, in '37, I guess you would have been 14. You moved to this other town. So, what problems? What did you? What happened to you when you were a well, teenager?
1: when we when we moved there, this was a little town, a little town of about 4,500 people, and and uh, the first day I went to school, why the the principal of the junior high school, he said, the "Place you belong is the school for the blind."
2: Oh no! Oh. Right
1: there broke my heart.
2: Yeah, why would what would precipitate your father to move from Bay City, to well, Michigan, to this? he,
1: he, he when he had, in my dad's younger days, he actually started out working for railroad
2: uh-huh.
1: as a, a stage station agent, and uh, and. He had the opportunity in in thirty seven to get back on on the railroad, and he took a job as a station agent with this this little short line railroad uh, that ran from. Well, actually, it only had twenty eight miles of tracks, but it was one of the wealthiest <laughs> railroads in the country.
2: Really, well, what, what was its purpose? What would it was
1: freight? They freighted from numerous companies and they they just made boodle of money and and very very small uh like I say the the line only ran uh about 28 miles but it it ran down I say down river because uh these little towns were along the St. Clair River which was part of the which is part of the uh you know the Inner Lake Waterway, and uh, yeah. and and these small towns. There were there were m- manufacturing companies, and and everything was shipped out of there into Port Huron, where they hit the main lines, and and they went east and west from there.
2: And so this railroad took stuff to Port Huron. Right. Right. Oh, so he moved there to it was a, as a station agent yeah. for this little railroad in in this little little town yeah. uh, in Michigan. What was with the name of the town? Did you give us a name? I don't know. Uh, well,
1: the town I moved into was called Saint Clair.
2: Saint Clair, and the guy immediately said, "Son, the place you belong is the school for the blind in Michigan."
1: That's right.
2: And yeah. so they sent you there.
1: Uh, I I went to school in St. Clair for about, oh, about four months, and then they shipped me off to the School for the Blind, and I finished my high school there, and the School for the Blind was in Lansing.
2: That was in the capital, in Lansing. Right. Yeah, and that was a good distance from home then, right?
1: Uh, about 125 miles, and, and uh, you know, we, we, we stayed. It was a seven-day-a-week residential school.
2: Yeah. And, well, 100-something, 100, 100 125 miles was a long way in 1937. Oh, sure. Right? Sure. It's yeah. nothing now, but... Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, because there's an expressway that runs through there now. Oh,
2: well, I'm sure there is, and that's about how far Houston is. And we think nothing of driving down to Houston to eat supper. That's right. Yeah, we think nothing of that going to Houston to eat supper and coming back, you know, just a, yep. someplace different. But boy, there's a 125 miles long way. So you went there at the first of the year, and you didn't come home till Thanksgiving or Christmas, and that's right. Just like that. So you, boy, life changed for young Bob, didn't it? Uh, huh? Well,
1: I, I've. I've talk to others about this, and and like I said, in 1937, a school system could get away with this, because they they told me, they said, we can't be bothered giving you a high school education, And, and they said, we'll let you finish the eighth grade, but that's it. You either go to the school for the blind, or you just don't have any more education.
2: Or you don't have school, yeah
1: you don't have school, and yeah. like I say in nineteen thirty seven they could get away with
2: that oh nowadays they'd have to provide you with uh, everything you needed sure. uh so you finished the eighth grade, went to the ninth grade to a school for the blind, so big change we are all blind right. people, all blind people all the time, very restricted way of life, no yep. ice cream on weeknights yeah, uh, that's right, no association with your brothers and sisters
1: no. And uh, I got home. Well, like you say, I got home at Thanksgiving. I got home at Christmas. I got home at Easter and summer vacation.
2: And that was it. That was it. That was it. So you did four years of that. Well, some of, feel lucky, sir. Some of us did twelve years of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I w- actually, actually, I, as I look back on it, I wish I had done twelve years of it.
2: Really. Yep. Because you didn't know Braille
1: at all. Well, right I di- I learned it there.
2: At the School for the Blind. Right. But you didn't have any knowledge of it before you went to School for the Blind. None at all. So they had to put you in an opportunity room or some resource class or something.
1: They, they put me in a Braille class. I, I had a Braille class five days a week uh, for six weeks. And, and um, uh, we... It was a it was a two hour class every day, and and so I got, you know, I got ten ten hours of Braille a week, and uh, and I learned uh, grade two Braille.
2: Yeah. yeah, that's braille on the fast track. That it? was that's
1: braille on the fast track.
2: That's braille right. on the fast track because you couldn't read books and they weren't willing to read to you, so they had to teach you braille right quick. That's right. Yet you have to teach you on a braille writer, a tablet and stylus, or a slate and stylus. Or? Slate and stylus. Oh, slate and stylus. Well, that's what I learned on also. That,
1: you know, in 1937, uh, the very early braille writers were just just coming on the market.
2: Yeah,
1: and they were. They were big old monstrous machines.
2: Loud, noisy things. Yes, they were. I saw one.
1: Yeah, that's uh, when that's when you put the paper in and the carriage went back and forth. Yeah. Like a typewriter. Just
2: like a typewriter. Yeah. It was strange. The carriage moved. Yep. Uh, now I think the head moves along. Instead that's of the, right. think the head moves. Yeah, so they began teaching you braille, so you had to do all. You had to learn that quick uh, because yep. you, you were fixing to be in high school. Yeah. And... Um,
1: Thank so, goodness I didn't have any more sight than I did because I I had to learn reading braille with my fingers.
2: Which you did. Which I did. And you took to it pretty well. I mean, you can oh, yeah. you, you use it to, still use it today? I so. still use braille. All still use braille. Well, that's good. That's good. So they taught you that they were and you were in a in a room with uh, two or three other boys. Uh, no, at night? no.
1: We had uh, uh, we just uh, uh, semi-private rooms, as you want to call them, two in a room. Two in a room. Yeah. No, okay. Two in a room.
2: Well, we had sometimes three in the room. I think our school got a little crowded, so they had uh, they just stuck another kid in your in your room. So you did the normal things: the algebra, history, uh, all the things high school kids do. I uh,
1: did all the things. I played football on the football team. And I played basketball on the basketball team, and I ran track.
2: And... The blind school had a football team?
1: Oh, yes. We played against public schools. Whoa. Yep. We had the a...
2: blind school had a foot. Now, that's unheard of. I never heard of that. I... Yep. That's wild. Yeah.
1: We had a football team. We had a pretty good one, too. We had a pretty good team.
2: Sometimes you'd actually would beat the sighted schools. Oh, all the time. That's you know Boy, that would be humiliating for them. That's
1: ex, the, you know. And we, yeah, we used to beat them. And uh, in fact, we we had a blind fella. They they took him one day and they put him in the backfield. And and they said, we'll give you the ball and you just run straight ahead. And so he did.
2: As hard as you can. And Don't, yeah. he
1: went right through the line, and he kept right on running, and he didn't stop until he ran into the board fence at the end of the field.
2: That <laughs> <laughs> he'd made a touchdown.
1: He made a touchdown. No
2: question. And nobody had sense enough to say, stop!
1: We never played that school again.
2: And you just gave this blind guy, totally blind guy.
1: Totally blind
2: guy. Must have been a big kid.
1: No he wasn't. He was he was husky but he wasn't very big. He wasn't I don't think he was over maybe 5'5" five, 5'6". Five, five,
2: and he had his pads yes. and his helmet on and oh, you yes. said now when, when when we when they blow the whistle we're going to hand you the ball and you just start running just go forward so. as just go as hard as you can forward don't let anybody stop you. That's right. That's the only time you guys did this. Oh, yeah. That's it's the funny. only
1: time that I ever remember of it happening.
2: That's funny. That's hilarious. I've never heard of that. Um, and so he just, he didn't know any better. didn't have any better sense. He just charged forward. No. I couldn't, I couldn't think he was,
1: of He was a nice kid. I, I, we had a lot of fun playing, playing sports, but I, <laughs> I loved track.
2: That's a great story. Oh, you, know, you see, you were, you ran track also, right?
1: Yeah. I. I ran hurdles, high hurdles, and Whoa. and and I was on the relay team.
2: Now, you could see well enough to run track, right? Right. So, well, what about the blind kids? Did they have a thing down the center of the track for the blind kids? Well,
1: no, actually, the blind kids, the totally blind ones that were on the team, mostly were were shot putters. Yeah. Yeah.
2: You have to show them which way to throw. and that Right. Because kind of, you, know, you don't want to, got to get hurt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we had a um, we had a, a, a long, uh, big metal cable, hundred yards long, down one side of our track that we you oh, could, yeah. could rest your ride your hand on and you could run. So we uh-huh. we did some running. So track and football and and uh, well, sounds like your blind school experience wasn't too bad.
1: No, it, uh, it's, it's a shame. It's it's pretty much gone now. as The school is.
2: The, yeah. the michigan school for the blind yeah. well it's a different yeah. school it's it's multi-handicapped i'm sure uh,
1: it's multi-handicapped and and they technically they closed it up and moved it in with the, the school for the deaf
2: Oh, you want to save that money yeah right all right let's take a little break and we'll get you out of high school and see what you decided to do with the rest of your life bob oh, lee is our guest and we'll be back more of blind like me hang on a website our crack research team certifies screen reader friendly now with this week's blind sight here's Tim Cummings
0: A couple of months ago, I was looking for a screwdriver and decided to go to Sears.com because I knew Sears sold Craftsman products, and I knew Craftsman was a good name in tools. So I went to the website at www.sears.com, and I was pleasantly surprised. The site is very accessible. Anything that's listed at Sears, pretty much you can find there. I went in, looked at all the different screwdrivers, found the one that I wanted, and purchased it. The only thing that's a bit confusing is You have the option of either having the item shipped to you, or if you have a Sears store near you, you can actually go pick it up. But the site's very accessible. I'd recommend it for anyone who's not near a Sears store or is near a Sears store but just wants to find out what they have for products. And the site is www.sears.com. I'd give it an accessibility rating of a 9. And for blind sites, this is Tim Cummings saying, Keep on Blind Sighting. If you found
2: a screen reader-friendly website you'd like us to mention, send your email to blind all me one word at txucom.net. And join us again next time for Blind Sight. It's unforgiven. To
3: just
4: give.
2: Our guest is Bob Levi from up in Colorado, and he's 81 years old and and telling us some great uh, Michigan School for the Blind stories. I don't think we've had anybody on that's uh, graduated Michigan school, but you graduated from that School for the Blind, sir, right?
1: Yes. I graduated in 1942.
2: 1942? Yeah. Well, I was born in 40 and started school in 46, so you've got to... You've got a year or two on me. Nine? I guess I have. I guess you do. You Nine. know,
1: another interesting thing that came out of the Michigan School for the Blind: we had a kid had a kid from the school for the blind in nineteen. I think it was in nineteen forty three. Was drafted into the army.
2: Oh, really? Yep. A blind kid.
1: Well, he was he was visually impaired, but he had to, apparently had enough sight that he they inducted him into the army.
2: And he went and served.
1: He went and served.
2: Now, that was the beginning of World War II. Right. And so they inducted him into the army, and rather than try to get out, he just went ahead and served, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, my my brother... I had an older brother, ten years older than me, that's totally blind. He went down and tried to join the army, and and just as a kind of a lark. And of course, they, he and a couple other blind friends. Of, his, of course, they wouldn't take him. But we always thought they could take blind people, and they could put them in clerical positions, or they could find something for them to do, wow. to allow a blind person to serve his country. But of course, the government didn't see it like that. But he well, he got a.
1: See. I know my older brother tried to get into, and and uh, uh, of course when. When my number came up why well, I, uh, I was just I was yeah. just classified 4f period yeah. that was it and, and then, yeah, I, then I got out of school and I
2: went to work. Of course, my brother was doing it for the publicity it, it, there was a big write-up oh, sure. in the Austin American statesman patriotic blind person attempts to join service, and he thought it was really funny, yeah uh, of course he's that kind of a nutty sense of humor. so you got out of, you got out of high school, and what did you do then?
1: Then I, well, I, I first went to work at a, at a hospital in Lansing. I was, uh, I, I worked in the laundry uh, as an uh, assistant laundryman. And yeah. I I worked there just, oh, for maybe three months or so. And then I went home and I went back to St. Clair. And then I went sailing on the Great Lakes, on a lake freighter.
2: You went sailing on the Great Lakes. Yeah. Now, doing what?
1: I worked in the galley.
2: Really?
4: I,
1: uh, I was a, well, they called it a porter. Um, they peeled potatoes and washed dishes and yeah. and, and things like that. And, and then I, uh, I night-cooked on, on one ship. I sailed two seasons.
2: So Porter is kind of a n- nicety. It's kind of a nice way of putting it. Uh, being a dishwasher.
1: Well, dishwasher, uh, kind of a kind of a dishwasher chambermaid because you you uh, you had two porters and a first and second cook, uh-huh. and and the two porters, one porter took care of the, uh, cleaned the the uh, first mate, second mate, third mates rooms. Uh-huh. The second porter took care of the engineers' rooms. So, uh, but uh, we we sailed the Great Lakes hauling uh, iron ore uh-huh. uh,
2: from
1: from the northern ports down to the down to the southern ports where the steel companies were.
2: And and you signed on as second porter to begin with, right? Right. right. And worked your way up uh, to uh, second cook.
1: Well, I was a night cook. Night cook. Yeah. Uh,
2: and which means what? Which means you?
1: Well, it, it, it meant I went to work. I went to work at at uh, uh, ten o'clock or nine o'clock at night, and and I I fixed night lunches for the guys going going to work. Yeah. Uh, on watch, and uh, I fixed breakfast. Uh, for the guys coming off a watch in the morning and i did the baking
2: and you had enough sight to do this oh yeah yeah i had enough sight to do that. nobody worried about you not being able to see back then no. i mean that wasn't that wasn't a big deal but no. you were you were single had nobody to be responsible for except you that's just me so yeah. what a neat yeah. adventure for a, a person you know what uh, a...
1: yeah i enjoyed it it it, it was fun uh yeah uh, Seeing the, seeing the the Great Lake ports because uh, I sailed in in all of the Great Lakes.
2: Yeah, well, you were young and healthy and strong, and, and you know I would think that would be great, uh, great, maybe not fun all the time, but it would be something different to be uh, something different uh, to to do. Uh, so why not, right?
1: And then I I I came home and I went to work in a salt processing plant uh, in the in this little town of st. Clair and that's where I spent the rest of my working days
2: in a salt processing plant right now making you mean table salt or what yep. kind of
1: yep they they uh, would drill down into the salt bed uh, and they would pump water down dissolve the the salt bed, and then pump it out as brine, and then and then process it, and back into into the you know the salt crystals.
2: Yeah, um, I kind of understand that, but there is obviously there's a big salt bed there.
1: Oh yes. Under the
2: salt. Uh... They've been
1: they've been taking well let's see they've been taking salt out of there for about 150 years.
2: And there's still plenty left.
1: And there's still plenty left.
2: I don't understand how that could be.
1: Well, it's just miles and miles long, and and you know it's down almost three thousand feet in the ground.
2: Uh Hmm. And and so that's what you did. The rest, that was it. That was the job.
1: And I worked on a production line, and uh, uh, I worked there, and and. Uh, uh spent 32 years there
2: so and but you were about 22 or 23 when you went there so you were just yeah, you done, uh... I was
1: yeah yeah I was around around 21 I think when I went there and because I had sailed a couple of seasons and after high school and and uh so I uh and I worked there until my sight got Started to deteriorate. Well, it deteriorated very badly. And mm-hmm. I got to the point where I couldn't hardly see anymore. And
2: but you'd done 30 years, so you had your retirement. To, oh, yeah. Uh, you were vested yeah. with your retirement. Yep. Uh, and, and are you totally blind now? Yes. You, you'd finally, finally? Prob- probably been
1: total for maybe a, between 20 and 25 years now.
2: It finally just deteriorated to the point where it was there was of no use anymore, right?
1: Just, just nothing. That just basically uh, light and dark, as it were.
2: That's all. That's about it. Not a,
1: even any travel site at all.
2: Did you marry and have a, a family, or? I no?
1: married. I married in nineteen forty-seven, and um, I, my wife and I had had one daughter. And uh, my wife contracted a, a bowel disorder, and uh, she died when she was what was she? Twenty. Really. She died. She. We were, we were married in '47, and she died in '58.
2: So she didn't. She, you, you had 11 years with her. Uh. Yeah. Uh, So she was around thirty or a little less than thirty, maybe when she died. Less than thirty. So that left you to raise the child.
1: Well, it left me with this nine-year-old daughter, and uh, and I was single for three years, and I met a very lovely lady, and and who was uh, about fifteen years younger than me, and uh, and. I, I guess I must have swept her off my, off her feet, because I, <laughs> after the, after the third day date, I asked her to marry me.
2: Yeah, well, uh, can't blame a guy for that.
1: And so, uh, we've managed to be together now for 43 years.
2: So. Oh, you? she's still with you, huh? Oh, yes. Now, uh, I think both these ladies could see? Oh, yeah. Both these ladies had sight.
1: Yeah, they, they had sight. And then we have two children, my present wife and I have two children. Uh, and uh, we have a son who's still back in Michigan, and I have a daughter who lives out here.
2: And they're they're all grown and gone.
1: Yep, grown and gone, and I have I have five grandchildren and five great grandchildren.
2: But there's nobody home except you and Mama. That's just just us two (laughs) but you were able to own automobiles and lead a a fairly normal uh, life uh, the way i I take it you had a had a car and raised your children and had a job of course back then like my father worked for the same company 47 years Mm -hmm. back then people did that you'd go you'd get a job and you'd stay with that company all your life Uh, that was oh i know that's the way people and so you did that sort of that thing and uh, lived in that same town
1: and, uh, well, it's like it's like people people bought houses and they lived in them for thirty five or forty years. I said today, why? Like, what what is the average? Uh, something like five to seven years, and people move.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, I, I I'm kind of guilty of that myself, but. Uh I don't know. We've lived in this house uh, 13 years now. That We built a house in 91, so we've lived here 13 years. But, yeah, people used to live in the same neighborhood, the same house. Oh, yes. Um, yes. But we're a much more mobile society now. We move around Absolutely. a whole lot more. Yep, yep. Well, it, it seems that you, at age 81, are very lucid and certainly have all your mental faculties. I don't know physically how you are, but you...
1: Oh, I'm, I'm in excellent condition. I... I I exercise every day of the week and I have a treadmill and I have an exercise cycle and I have a rowing machine and they get used seven days a week and uh, four years ago this past spring I had uh, open-heart surgery I had a slight heart attack and they found I had some clogged up arteries and they did a quad bypass and and uh, Everything's been fine since.
2: Yes, sir. You get over those, and I had a triple in '93, and uh, uh, two weeks later I was fine. You know. Yeah. They, uh, yeah. Right. They, whereas, whereas twenty years ago you would have died. Oh, you well, just, absolutely. You would just be dead. So you had a quad bypass. Yeah, They fixed quad. that. That's that's pretty. Uh, you say how many years ago this was? Uh, four years. Four years ago. So you were seventy-seven thing. when this happened. Yeah. Boy, they don't like to do surgery on guys that old. They, uh, that's amazing.
1: Hey, uh, uh, <laughs> they wanted to keep me alive. I said I got to stay alive. Yeah. My, my wife's a lot younger than me.
2: Yeah, you need to, you need to stay alive. So they quadruple okay. bypass and uh, put you back, and, and here you are today riding your, doing your exercise bike. Right. Last time I went to the doctor, the doctor said, Mr. Parr, writing the check for that treadmill was not enough exercise. You need to get on it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh you know i've got an extra cycle and a treadmill uh, both uh and a little heart trouble but uh, anyway you you see what do you do now for uh, entertainment do you just watch t v read books or well, what
1: of course i'm 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 involved with uh the, the affiliate the uh, a c b affiliate here in in colorado
2: uh-huh
1: and uh and i not Real involved with my church. I belong to the Lions Club. Uh-huh. Uh, have been in Lions for about a little better than 25 years. And uh, other than that, I uh, when I was in Michigan, I used to do a lot of chair caning. But I moved out here, and I just. I, i quit yeah. that i retired <laughs>
2: retired from chair caning. yeah
1: i retired from being retired
2: well that chair caning gets a little old you get kind of tired of it once you once you've right you know but now you're you're you say that you're not going to embrace computers you're, your wife hasn't either she hadn't she, you don't have she
1: doesn't, one she she says she can't see any reason for owning one so we we don't have a computer and and uh we don't have a fax machine and and all that kind of stuff.
2: Do you participate in the Talking Book program? Yes. So, you... we,
1: my wife and I volunteer at the Talking Book Library here. Uh, we we work down there every week. And, uh, and I uh, I'm I'm very interested in that. I'm on the board of directors of the, uh, the Friends of the Colorado Talking Book Library.
2: My heavens. That's in eighty one years old and and still doing all that. And my hat's off to you. That's uh, that's great. I mean is well, you know
1: I guess that's what keeps you young.
2: You well, know, like with the doctors like you've been told, as long as you keep your mind active, they say it won't atrophy on you. Absolutely. Unless right. you don't if you, unless you have some disease and, and keep moving and, and keep doing things. Well uh yeah. We're going to go and uh, wish you lots of luck, and um, maybe we'll check in with you in a year or two and and uh, and see how you're doing. Okay. That'd be great. We On November seventh, two 2004 in Houston, Texas, we'll record our 100th Blind Handyman Show. And you're invited to the celebration. Oh, yeah. oh, We'll begin Friday, November 5th at the Sheridan on JFK Boulevard. Saturday, we'll have special motivational speakers and panel discussions on blindness issues. Then it's Saturday night and on to live music and karaoke. Sunday morning, we'll record our 100th Blind Handyman Show. And we've got something special planned for Sunday afternoon. Then it's Sunday night and time for more live music and karaoke. All in all, a great weekend to meet old friends and make new ones. For more information, call 936-634-9500 936 634 9500. Or email philparr at txucom.net. Reservations and meeting room space are limited. It's first come, first served. Join us in Houston, Texas this November, and we'll guarantee you a weekend you'll not soon forget. 936 634 9500. Our guest is Tom McCarville from. Uh, you, I never did ask where you're from, sir.
4: Well, actually, our main offices are in New York, but we provide services uh, throughout the country.
2: But you're uh, you're in New York right now.
4: Right now, actually, I am. Yes.
2: All right, and uh, t- tell us what you what your organization does and a little about it, if you don't mind.
4: Well, our organization, which is called Ears for Eyes, is a uh, it's a unique program, and it is designed to help particularly seniors who have lost vision uh, due normally to an age-related illness of one kind or another, uh, to maintain as independent a lifestyle as they choose to. And what we do is we teach people the daily living skill techniques that they need to learn when they have lost some vision so that they can continue to do the everyday things that sometimes become very difficult when you can't see as well as you used to.
2: Yeah, this would also be applicable to someone who has recently lost their vision, say due to an accident or whatever, wouldn't it? Yes,
4: yeah, so the, the techniques that we teach are would be exactly the same. The the program was designed for seniors because my specialty as a rehab teacher had been in geriatrics, and the incredible need in the senior community for this kind of a program was apparent to me, and that's how it how it. Uh, began, but yeah. in reality, the techniques, as you said, would be applicable to anybody who has lost vision.
2: Now, what, what kinds of things, like cooking skills or how to dress yourself, or
4: it runs a gambit uh, from everything as simple as how to dial your telephone when you can't, when you've lost central vision, all the way up to um, setting your house up when you've lost significant vision, so that you maintain orientation. But within that, also, uh, cooking is one of our big areas that we deal with. Uh, Going out and about with a friend, uh, teaching a friend to be your sighted guide, Um, how to mark various items around your home um, using tactile references so that you can uh, uh, use your stove successfully or your remote control or uh, setting your thermostat. So all of the, the kinds of daily living skills that vision loss causes to be problematic, we try to address.
2: All right now, at some point in time, someone had to
4: script these. Did you do that? Um, no, I didn't. What I did is I wrote the outlines as if they were lessons, and then we had a professional writer actually script them.
2: And uh, then you went into a studio, or you? How did you record them?
4: Yeah, the, we chose an actor, uh, a person whom we know, um, who is a um, has a very good voice, and uh-huh. he actually read the scripts. The uh, The tapes are unique in the sense that they are not simply a series of step-by-step speaking points. They are set up like radio shows where we have music on them. We have intermixed some jokes, corny as they may be. Um, And uh, we've tried to make them somewhat entertaining given the subject matter that we're dealing with
2: so they're they're little dramas in and of themselves, some of them are um...
4: yeah, they're not they're not we didn't pretend it was a cooking show or we didn't pretend it was mm-hmm. something along those lines, but we did assume that uh the listener wanted something. On a professional level, uh, to, yeah. to listen
2: to something more than just a dry guy talking about take the pan out of the drawer. Yeah, I mean we do get to that.
4: I mean, the, you know, that kind of instruction is in there, but before that, we try to lighten it up a little.
2: You, bit. Can you? Do you? Does an example come to mind of, of, a, of something that you did that was uh, not just a straight a pitch or just a straight uh, lesson?
4: Well, uh whenever we approached anything, for instance we, we our most popular tape is called eating without embarrassment. Yeah. And we run through the whole gambit of um approaching a table in a restaurant, setting down, identifying the cutlery, knowing where things are on the table, and we do that all with sort of within the format of you actually experiencing that event as you go.
2: And do you have like a maybe a restaurant background noise uh No, we under- haven't done
4: anything that um we, we didn't try to create that kind of an atmosphere. Okay. We we maintained the, uh, the the level of it is someone in a studio talking to you.
2: Well, I wish we'd, if we'd known we were going to do this, it would have really been great to have played one, you know, to have... Uh...
4: Well, we we certainly can get you one, so that you can, you so can I have guess some I examples. Could, if you I guess I it.
2: could, uh, if, I, if I did this... Uh... If I put this off and did this in a couple of weeks, you could mail me a couple of tapes. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I can get right. them right. I can get them out to you. Why today. don't we? Why don't you do that? And let's let's do this before we sign off with you. It, 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 these tapes. So, what do they? What do they cost a person?
4: Oh, they're free. They're absolutely free. Everything that we do is uh, no charge to the to the end user. Where, are luckily we receive our funding from private foundations, and uh, okay. the individual. Doesn't get charged anything. We're we're a nonprofit charity.
2: Okay, so if you're a person who thinks you might benefit from these tapes, and we hope that every, put everybody on the honor system. If you just want something to listen to, call the NLS library and they'll send you all kind of books.
4: Well, and the way uh, we work, there is an intake process where when people call, we we try to find out what kind of individual needs they have. This isn't a series in that everybody just gets one, two, three, four, five. Okay, we customize it for each individual because many people have figured out many of the problems that somebody else has not figured out. And so we've broken the tapes down into different areas of, um, of skill so that if you figured out your kitchen, for instance, because you've been a good cook all of your life, um, but you still may be having problems as far as when you go out and about with a friend. So you need the sighted guide help, but you don't really need the information about the kitchen because those are, those are things and skills that you've already acquired.
2: Yeah, you know it's it's amazing because I, I I think I may have told you this. We also do a show called The Blind Handyman, uh-huh. where we talk about how to do home repairs uh, from a blind person's perspective. Uh, maybe home repairs and also building and construction, and and we've run across blind people who've added rooms to their houses and oh, how, to, yeah. how to use those kinds of tools. So, so the, you know it's it's interesting. We're kind of both in the same doing. And basically the same thing
4: uh, yeah i mean i mean it's exactly the same thing. I had a good friend who used to uh um, who was totally blind, he had no no vision whatever yeah. and he used to uh change the oil in automobiles because he had done that when he could see, <laughs> and it it made it it gave him a real sense of uh of accomplishment when he could do it, it was amazing to watch him do it.
2: I've done it, but I don't like to. I don't like <laughs> being on the ground under my car. With uh, I tell you, one there's one little trick we learned from a guy who makes his living as an auto mechanic. What he does when he gets under a car, he puts a plastic bag over his head uh-huh because he can't see anyway what's the difference right and then stuff not falling in your eyes and on your face and you know then you're not you know not, you yeah, know you well, know
4: you continue to breathe well <laughs> yeah so you, you, you would want to you'd
2: want to do that i uh i put a plastic bag over my head and take the garbage out sometimes if it's really raining uh-huh and it, you know it's wonderful to listen to the cars slow down down on the street <laughs> i bet damn fool with a plastic bag all right give us an address where someone get a hold of you sir
4: um Actually, the best way to get a hold of us is a uh, telephone. Okay. And our 800 number is 800-843-6816. 800 800-843- 843
2: 6-8-1-6. 800-843-6816. you can call you'll be qualified and uh, this is your special needs and uh, this is a free service if you have some area of your life that you're not functioning well in and you think that you could get some help from these people give them a call is that
4: right it is exactly and and we encourage people even if you think that one of the uh, lesson areas that we have might be of a benefit to you please call us we encourage people even if they're a little skeptical of the information being of need to please you know, give it a shot. Uh, there's no downside to it because we're not connected with um, any government agency or any insurance company. Nothing is reported to anyone So people who are not legally blind, people who are just starting to have some central vision loss perhaps from macular degeneration, and certain tasks are are starting to become problematic, give us a buzz because some of our tapes talk very generally about um, lighting, contrast, using magnification, and you can start employing these things even though um, your vision loss may be somewhat minimal, but it is indeed starting to interfere with your ability to do things.
2: All right, our guest has been Tom now, uh, from uh, What do you call it? you ever see your acronym again?
4: It's it, The formal name is Enrichment Audio Resource Services, which comes out to be EARS. ears. And it's the right. EARS for Eyes program because you listen with your ears to the tapes to help you with the problems you're having because of your vision loss.
2: 800
4: number one more time. 800-843-6816.
2: Now, let's listen to an example of uh, the lesson that you will get when you call these people.
3: Ears Lesson Tape, GN1. How to Use Ears Lesson Tapes. Welcome to the world of ears. I'm Sandy Gabrielson for Enrichment Audio Resource Services, a nonprofit group for the vision impaired. We produce and distribute free of charge, Lesson tapes with straightforward practical solutions to the many everyday living problems caused by vision loss such as dialing the telephone and preparing a meal. The lesson titles and their ID numbers are listed near the end of this introductory tape. And again, the lesson tapes are free. Just call our toll-free telephone number 1-800-843-6816. That number again, 1-800- Eight four three six eight one six. and now here's how to use the ears lesson tapes first of all they cover a wide variety of subjects and are designed and tested to be helpful to anyone with any degree of limited vision the topics you find most helpful will depend on your current eye condition and your personal interests when you call our toll-free number We'll help you identify which lesson tapes are most suitable for your situation. For example, if you don't cook, the kitchen lessons may not be of interest to you. But if you like to get out and about more often and more confidently, a lesson on using a sighted guide will be of great help. Because there are so many new skills to be learned and practiced within each lesson, we recommend you order one or two tapes at a time. Listen, learn the information, practice the skills. Then call us, toll free, for your next lessons. There's no progressive order of instruction, so you can start and finish with any lesson tape you choose. When you receive a lesson tape, we recommend you first listen all the way through to get a complete overview of the instruction. This will allow you to become familiar with the lesson sections. In some sections, you simply listen to learn the information presented. Other sections give specific step-by-step instructions for performing tasks as you listen to me. Listening all the way through will also allow you to make preliminary notes. Also, you'll need additional materials on hand to perform and complete some tasks. In every lesson, I'll let you know exactly what you'll need to complete each section. And, depending on your vision, you may need a sighted helper to complete some tasks. Listening to the tape all the way through first will tell you when one is needed if you don't have a friend or family member available to assist you call your local place of worship or community center ask for a sighted volunteer they'll be glad to help the lesson tapes are yours to keep so listen and learn at your own pace and convenience some of the information you'll find immediately useful and some especially if you have a progressive eye condition may fulfill a critical need at a time in the near or hopefully
2: far future Here's news about the latest cassette magazine for blind people. Tell me all about it, big boy. Introducing Love is Blind, Blind, the audio magazine for singles. That's great. Very soon, you'll be offered a free cassette explaining just how the magazine works. Love Love is Blind, the audio magazine for singles. The latest way to meet new people... New friends. I feel like a new man. Love is Buying is blind. Audio magazine for singles. Coming to a mailbox near you very soon. We are still visiting with uh, Tom McCarville, and uh, we wanted you want to talk a little bit about the counseling that you have, uh, follow-up things.
4: Yeah, um, our, another aspect of our program that we found is extremely important and very helpful for people is our telephone center. Uh, when people call in, we do a uh, we call it an intake, but what we're really doing is trying to d- determine uh, someone's general eye, eye problem, and also then what what that loss of vision is causing the most problems with in their daily living. After we've identified those, those are the the lessons that we will send out to them. But beyond just sending lessons out that have the information on daily living skills, we continue to contact the person. We follow up with them to answer any questions, to encourage them to continue with the lessons, and then we send more lessons out as time goes on. So the... Aside from just sending out the, the, the lessons that have the very important information on it there 's still the human contact that goes on as well, and we found that people really really find that helpful to them and uh, we have from our our side of it too we found that people get more help and feel much more comfortable with the program because of the telephone center
2: so not only do they get uh, taped lessons but they get uh I guess you wouldn't exactly call it counseling, but some uh, some actual uh, basic hands-on as to their needs and what's bothering them most.
4: Yes, and, yeah. and and because we talk to so many people, we obviously have a bank of information that we can we can share with people and, and and help them with some of the specific problems that might not be addressed on the individual tape lessons that they're receiving.
2: All right, and and once again, this is a free service. It's. Uh,
4: yeah, we're, we're a nonprofit organization. We're a 501c3, and we receive our funding primarily from foundations, private foundations that have an interest in either vision issues or senior issues, senior mm-hmm. health issues. Then we also receive private donations as well.
2: All right, let's give the contact information again in case someone missed it. Uh, give, give us your 800 number again.
4: Yeah, the best way to contact us is call 800-843-6816.
2: Eight four three six eight one six. Yes. One eight hundred eight four three six eight one six. Now, if you're not in the office, uh, leave a message or what?
4: Yeah, we have a there's a twenty four hour machine so people can call in any time zone at any time. And if you don't get a live person and you get the machine, if you will leave a phone number with a time uh, to call back, we try to abide by that as much as we can yeah, we try to answer all calls within one day.
2: so don't don't be afraid of the answering machine. A lot of people don't like to talk to answering machines, but everybody can't be every place at all times, and this at least gets you in contact with someone, and, you and we will, will
4: and we will indeed get back we' we're, we're very good about that.
2: yeah, this is not people who are just gonna uh, gonna uh, fluff you off or not call you back. You'll be called back if you call the number. one more time.
4: Eight hundred eight four three.
2: Tom McCarville, pleasure visiting with you, sir.
4: Well, thank you very much for this. Very good.
2: Ears, nice acronym, isn't
4: it? Huh? Let's do the.
2: Should we do the new magazine thing again? How would that be? We'll punch that up and let you hear that one more time. I kind of liked it. It wasn't wasn't a great piece of production, but it did worked out pretty good. Let's see what if it'll run here. Here we go. Here's news about the latest cassette magazine. For blind
1: Tell me all
2: about it, big boy. Introducing Love, is, love blind, is Blind, the audio magazine for singles. That's great. Very soon, you'll be offered a free cassette explaining just how the magazine works. Love is love, love is blind, blind, the audio magazine for singles. The latest way to meet new people and make new friends. I feel like a new man. Love is blind. Love is blind. Audio magazine for singles coming to a mailbox near you very soon. Love is blind, and so am I. <laughs> audio magazine personals magazine for singles what an idea what a thing that will be we'll we'll tell you more about that later as we as we find out uh, more about it and uh, keep you informed let's see this but let me mention our gathering in houston in case you're unaware of that Surely you couldn't you couldn't listen to these things and not be aware of the um, of the houston thing coming up and uh, we're where are we about um, well, let's see. this Friday will be the twenty fourth, is that right? Yeah, so we're about five weeks away. Um, you still have time if you if you want to come, there's still rooms available, of course. I think we blocked twenty rooms and we're not using all of them. So there's still a room for you if you'd like to come. You can call me at nine three six. Six three four nine five zero zero, and I'll give you all the information about our Houston gathering. should be uh, Should be lots of fun. We're going to record the one hundredth Blind Handyman show, and also a cooking in the dark show, which we will call Blind Like Me, and run on the um, I think on the. Well, let's see, what, the 12th of the of next month? The 12th, not next month, but the 12th of November. Anyway, if you want, you'd want, you like to come to Houston, we start on the 5th. We do the uh, recording on the 6th and 7th. We'll have lots of other blind folks there for you to visit with and talk to at good social time, and we hope a good time for all. We want you to come. You can call me, 936-634-9500, or email me, net. All right, thank you. Much love to see you in Houston. We'll do it again next week. Until then, I'm Phil Parr. Thanks for listening, and Love is Blind, the audio magazine for singles.